Well, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 17 and verses 20 to 23. Our title this morning is Pursuing Jesus' Desire for Close Christian Community. Pursuing Jesus' Desire for Close Christian Community. We saw last time that as Jesus prays for this truth, this concept of togetherness, that it's like a piece of beautiful succulent steak on a plate surrounded by the most glorious vegetables and potatoes and onions and and sauce. And we looked last time at the rich truths that accompany it, rich truths that feed into it the way well-prepared vegetables or dauphinoise potatoes or gravy, you're all getting hungry now, but the way they complement a beautiful piece of meat. These truths complement what Jesus is praying for here. And now we want to come and think about the, the steak. Although it doesn't seem much like steak, the word unity sounds very dull. And that's why I've tried to get a, a richer phrase, close Christian community. But even that isn't terribly tantalizing. But I want us to see this morning how important this is and how rich it is. And we're going to spend most of our time this morning in points three and four. Uh, the, the surrounding ones will, God willing, be briefer. We want to just note in passing the importance of Christian community. It must be important Because Jesus prays for it four times in this great prayer before he goes to the cross. It must be important because he prays for it before he goes to the cross. He doesn't pray for the success of his mission. He doesn't pray particularly for the spread of the gospel. He doesn't pray for the future needs of his people, particularly, you know, they'll be protected from persecution. He prays for the closeness of of his people, now and in the future. And the importance, so it must be important, the importance is also seen in the illustration he uses. Not for him any illustration of steak or vegetables, some earthly illustration. No. The illustration he uses is the highest possible illustration. It's that of God himself. He says, may they be one, Father, as we are one, just as you are in me and I am in you. He likens it to the the beautiful interconnectedness of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This here, this church here, and the church in all its locations and the church worldwide is to be a visible illustration of the invisible God. A visible illustration of the invisible God must be important. We must really give ourselves to this if he gives it such importance. And its importance is highlighted too by the impact that it has on the world. Jesus says it validates his very message that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. It must be important. So we need to give ourselves to this, to thinking about it and to working at it and to guarding it. Secondly, we want to see the the scope of Christian community. What 
what all's involved in this unity? Well, we saw last time that there's a unity with God where we're engaged in the work that God is doing. We have the same purpose that he has in displaying who God is to the world. That's why he sent the Son. But then there's... We're not just to be engaged in the work that God is engaged in, but to love the people that God loves. There's to be a togetherness of God's people. And that happens on, on, in two fronts, in two ways. There's the togetherness inside a congregation. A close community should be formed here. I believe that's what we have, that's what we want to guard, that's what we want to develop. But also there should be a closeness too, with our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't belong to this congregation, who don't even belong to our denomination, but are our genuine brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, if we squabble with each other, either internally or externally, it's a really bad illustration, isn't it? And Jesus says no. Because the gospel and God is made to look unattractive. It shouldn't be like that. One writer says that um, every local church is a letter from Christ. And when outsiders read that letter, they should see something of the community of God. Not perfectly, but in a credible way. Jesus even said that people will judge whether Christianity is true by the love, by the community they witness in the church. That's for the congregation, but it's also true for the fellow Christians we have in our town and in our county. Denominations are a sad reality. They're there because there is division and disagreement in the church of Jesus Christ. But they're also useful. They're useful. It means that there's not forever going on in this fellowship a debate about secondary matters. But it's our duty where we agree, where we agree on primary matters. We agree on primary matters of who God is, that He's Father, Son, and Spirit, one God and three persons. So that rules out the Mormons, it rules out the Jehovah's Witnesses. It rules them out if they don't believe in the same God, and that's a primary matter. It We've got another primary matter is that of the Bible. Is the Bible the Word of God? Is it complete? Another primary matter is salvation by grace alone in Jesus Christ alone, that He has done it. That salvation is not earned by our efforts. And there are people in our town, in our county, in our country who believe exactly the same as we do in those primary matters. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's our duty to express our love and delight and fellowship with them when we can. We may, we may not be able to have organizational unity where we're all part of the same great big denomination, but we can have observable unity. And this is something that, 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 that has been growing in Donegal over the years, and it's been lovely. And sometimes I've had people say to me, particularly people um, coming from a, a Catholic perspective, they say, but you know, you're saying this, but there's so many different groups of you you Protestants or Evangelicals, I wouldn't know who to believe. But I can say to them, look, on every second Thursday 
in the month. At 10.30, those leaders of those evangelical churches meet for prayer. And if you were to come at 10.30 and sit down amongst us, you wouldn't get a razor blade between us on the gospel. We are in complete agreement. And I would be perfectly happy for you to go to that church or that church or that church to the Presbyterian Church or the Baptist Church or Letterkenny Christian Fellowship, you would hear the gospel proclaimed there. You would hear it. Sometimes it's interesting to, to know or to hear the reaction. You go, oh, no, I never, never knew that. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, and I, I thought you were all divided. No, 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 we're not. On secondary things or even third level things, we may differ. But not on the main things. And Jesus expects our unity, to be noticeable and noticeable to the world. And it's our job as far as possible to be large-hearted to every Bible-believing Christian that we meet inside the congregation and outside. The scope of unity. Thirdly, thirdly, the hindrances to Christian community. The hindrances to Christian community, the theory is all very well. In one of the Peanuts cartoons, Linus says, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. At the other end of the literary scale, Dostoevsky, who I haven't read the Brothers Karamazov, but in it he has this great quote, The more I love humanity in general, the less I love man in particular. In my dreams... I often make plans for the service of humanity. And perhaps I might actually face crucifixion if it were suddenly necessary. Yet, I'm incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days in a row. I know from experience, as soon as anyone is near me, his personality disturbs me and restricts my freedom. And in 24 hours, I begin to hate the best of men. One, because he's taken too long over his dinner. Another, because he blows his nose too loudly and too often. I become hostile to people the moment they come close to me. So, we can have all these grand ideas, but let's get down to nuts and bolts. What are the hindrances? What are the things that we need to be on our guard against? What are the weeds that could flourish in our fellowship that we need to pull out as we see them maybe in seed form or as we see them begin to develop in our own hearts? There are hindrances to our fellowship in the the congregation here. Forgetting that I am a sinner saved by grace. Forgetfulness. I'm a sinner. I get it wrong. I will cause offence and other people will offend me. If I forget I am a sinner, I will be harsh towards others who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's wrong. I don't want them to treat me that way. We read that love keeps no record of wrongs. If I think I haven't committed any wrongs, but I see others committing wrongs, do you see where that goes? If I forget that I am a sinner saved by grace, I become proud of how well I'm doing. 
forgetting that it's God who has lifted me up to where I may be. And I only am what I am because of what God has done in my life, not me. Pride. Forgetfulness. Pride. A sense of superiority. Maybe at our background or how far we've come in the Christian life. Or sins that we haven't fallen into, not realizing that it's God who's been holding us back and that if we were left our own devices, we'd been rolling around in them. Pride. Resentment or grudge-bearing or jealousy or envy. These things can come in and tear apart. Jesus tells a parable about how a field of wheat was sown and how the enemy came in and sowed weeds in amongst it. Well, Satan would love to sow some of these weeds amongst our fellowship. Let's watch for them. Coldness. Being standoffish. Or allowing things to sort of grow in a little wedge that pushes you further apart from one particular person or another person. Watch for those things. Sometimes we like to pretend that everything's okay and that we're further along in the Christian life than we are. If we do that, we're really putting on a mask. And if we wear masks, then we can't be close to each other. Let's not wear masks. Let's watch for Satan's temptation to, to dress ourselves up a bit and pretend that we don't have struggles. Absence. Absence. Can't have closeness where there's absence. These are some of the weeds that we need to be on our guard against, um, in our fellowship, just to, 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 see that, to see that they're not growing in our own heart, to see that they're not growing amongst us. Hindrances to wider fellowship. We could have pride in our denominational status. We could isolate ourselves from other Christians and think that we're better than them. So we mustn't do that. What a terrible thing. Somebody that Jesus laid down his life for and we would distance ourselves from them. No, no, no. Let's not do that. Jesus prayed in verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. That means make them holier. Make them more Christ-like. And the more Christ-like we are, the more we will delight in Christ's people. That's what we need. We need to pull the weeds out of our own soul. Then we need to sow the flowers. It's not enough just to pull weeds out of a flower bed. We need to sow the seeds of beautiful, colourful, radiant flowers so that people come into the garden and they don't just say, oh look, what a wonderful place, no weeds. Nobody's ever said that, I don't think. They come in and they, they look and they say, wow, look at the beautiful flowers. Look at the colours. Smell the scent of those flowers. Something attractive about it. And I'm not even a gardener. You know, I find it attractive. So, how do we deepen Christian community? Well, we pull out the weeds and we work at the opposite of, of planting flowers in our own soul and in our fellowship. And what are these flowers? Well, you know, I love it when you go into Little or Aldi and they've got mixed bags of stuff. And you really don't have a clue what's in it. There's two big bags and you throw those ones in and there's all sorts of different flowers bloom out of it and there's all sorts of different flowers bloom out of it and well, we've got two great bags of seed here that we read from earlier uh, we read from 
a passage that speaks of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's consider the flowers that come out of that bag of seed for a minute. And 1 Corinthians 13 is often read at weddings, but did you notice that it's not given for a wedding? It's applicable to a wedding, but it's not given for a wedding. It's given to a church where there are many divisions and weeds growing in it. And Paul writes about how they should be one and how a body is many parts, but it is one body. So it is with Christ and so it is in the church. And then he speaks about love. And he sets out the antidote to many of the hindrances that we've looked at. Love is patient. Love is patient. And the the Greek word actually means big suffering. It's made up of two parts. The word for suffering and the word for big. And they're put together. Long suffering. Love in a church is to be long suffering with each other. We're to put up with Little flaws and love covers over a multitude of sins. We're told further on in scripture. It's kind. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't look at a gift that another Christian has. And, oh, they've got that and I don't have it. I wish I had it. And then you begin a bit resentful because they are able to do something that you don't do. No, no, no. It does not boast. It doesn't see itself as having some gift. And then it, it, it shows off with it. No, no, no doesn't do that. It doesn't talk about itself. It's not self-seeking. It's not proud. It's not dishonoring of others. In church, our reactions are not to be easily angered, Paul says. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Think of that. If a husband heard his wife being spoken badly of by somebody else, he would speak in her defense. And maybe even from this passage, you say, well, love is to always protect, and that would be right. But the primary reason for this passage being written wasn't for a husband to do that for his wife, but for somebody in the church to do it for another person in the church. To protect them, to speak up for them, to maybe see them going into something wrong and to come alongside and say, no, 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 let's not do that. Come, come with me. It always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. This is the the bag of the seeds of different flowers and the bag of the seed of love that, that grow in the garden of the church. Loving each other in the middle of our differences, in the middle of our imperfections, and in the middle of our flaws, in the middle of our sinfulness. The world sees that they love each other. They, they, he, He, she forgives him or her. Wow. Let me make three particular applications. Prayerfulness, praying together. This is something that as elders we've been thinking a bit about and how we as a fellowship can pray more together with each other and for each other. The little WhatsApp group is great for sharing prayer points, but there's nothing actually like praying together and hearing somebody pray for you. So let's be doing that more. Being together. Togetherness. Unity and community requires us actually to be together. And so let's make it our aim as far as possible. As far as possible. Let's make it our aim when the church meets. Whether it's Sabbath morning or Sabbath evening. 
or for one of the the midweek Bible studies. Let's make it our aim as far as possible uh, to be there. It may require rejigging different things and it might mean reprioritizing. But let's seek uh, to be together as often as there are opportunities to be together, not just here, but those other events that happen where we gather sometimes at other churches in the area. Let's make a big effort to be at those so we can enjoy the wider family of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the wider events in our own denomination. Let's make an effort to be at those. We will have a meeting coming up in October to give thanks for the 30 years of mission work that Malcolm and Muriel Ball did in France and to be updated on the work in France. Let's make it an aim to be at that together so we can enjoy and develop Close Christian community, togetherness, togetherness, and fellowship, that sharing of what God's doing in our lives, what we've been challenged by or encouraged by in God's word, sharing that together. That's out of this bag of seed of the flowers that grow out of love. I want to mention, we read from Romans 12, another great bag of seed of flowers that grow out of humility. Humility, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. We need to remember. We talked about one of the hindrances being forgetting. We need to remember. And humility helps us remember. We need to remember that you are a sinner. I am a sinner. I will sin against you. And I will require your forgiveness. And you will sin against me, and I will be required to forgive you. But we're sinners. So let's, when we get it wrong, confess and seek forgiveness from each other and apologize. Um, Remember that you're a servant. Consider others better than you, Paul says. Worthy of your service. Seek ways to serve. In the church, whether it's setting up, coming a little bit early to help in setting up, whether it's, uh, these are the things that are happening. These are things that are happening. Uh, the, the serving and the making of the tea and the washing up afterwards. And it's great to see this. But let's just remind ourselves of the things to keep doing them. Remember you're a servant. Remember you're a student. Be teachable. Be teachable. Listen to God's word as it's proclaimed and read and say, how do I apply this to me? Where has God been speaking to me that I need to change? Be a student. These are the things that promote unity and fellowship because we're all growing together. So where do you feel God is calling you to press this prayer of Jesus into your life so that it's answered here in Letter Kenny? That's being a student. That's working at community. The weeds and the flowers. And then something wonderful. There's a secret to this. If this was just some sort of community group and we were all had the same sort of interest and I was saying we need to work harder at being together, you would think this is a lost cause. This is, this. In any group you'll always get someone who say, I'm not doing that. 
I'm not paying that. I'm not taking part. I'm not. But this isn't any community group. This is Christ's group. And he says in uh, verse 21 that there's a secret. He doesn't put it that way. He says, may they also be in us. In us. Powerfully connected to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're not in this on our own. You know, I've used the illustration before of those little polystyrene beads. I mean, you spill them out of a bean bag and you go to try and gather them up. Every time you move, they scatter further. And it seems an impossible job. And then some stick to the static and your, your clothes or your hands and they're stuck here. They're not where you want them to be. That's not what this is like. This is rather like iron filings that have been scattered. And then a magnet is placed in the middle. And those iron filings start to be drawn in towards the magnet. And as they come closer to the magnet, to the center, they become closer and closer to each other. But not only do they become closer to each other, they also become magnetized themselves and they bond to each other. And as we become closer and closer to Christ, this is the secret. As we come closer and closer to him and grow more in our relationship with him, we become closer to each other and we bond more and more together in the family of God's people. So pursue. Go home determined to grow in your love for Christ and your likeness of Christ and we'll grow as a fellowship. What a great thing. What a wonderful statement that Jesus makes that we're in him. And being in him changes everything. And then finally, the impact of close Christian community. The impact of it. Jesus tells us twice that the togetherness of his people has an impact on the watching world. In verse 21 he says, So the world may believe that you see me. In verse 23 he says, To let the world know that you sent me And have loved them even as you have loved me. Our togetherness is like a shop window. Through which the world gets to see that Jesus is who he says he is. And that God's love is real. That's what Jesus is saying. I think... If and when we get to having a building of our own that we can maybe design, or maybe maybe move if we have to move to a bigger building, I would want one with big windows so that people can see in and they can see the length of time that people spend talking to each other. There was a man came here one Sunday evening and he arrived at about five to eight, and he didn't come in, but he stood out there, and we were I was talking to him afterwards, and at about nine o'clock he said. Those people are still here. They're still here. They really care for each other. He said, I've never seen this before. He said, when I go to where he went to worship, he says, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. See, the church is like a shop window where people get to look in. And we were in France on holidays and their patisseries with their wonderful displays of food. Stand with your nose against the window and you look in. There's a thing in France, I think they call it window licking. They don't call it window shopping, I think it's window licking. You stand with your tongue out looking. 
that's really what Jesus is getting at here. His method of reaching the world. Yes, he's going to send his disciples to proclaim the gospel. But he wants his people in any given location to live with such commitment to Christ and love for each other that people look in and go, Oh, I wish I was part of that. What explains that? It could only be that Jesus is who he says. Maybe they don't put two and two together. They say, why, why is this place like this? Ah, it's because Jesus is at the heart of it. He has made us like this. He is the reason we love each other and enjoy being together. One writer, a man called Francis Schaeffer, who was a great thinker um, and, and certainly no rosy-tinted spectacle man, but Francis Schaeffer uh, said this. He said that the, the obvious love for Christians amongst each other he said is the final apologetic or the final reason for Christianity or the final piece of argumentation uh, that, that displays its truth. And then he said the single thing most likely to attract the attention of a jaded world. We live in a disunited world where people are lonely, where people are jaded uh, by all sorts of things. I'm part of a, a, a swimming group on Facebook, Outdoor Swimming Society. Somebody put up a post the other day that created a whole lot of friction. I didn't even see it. Somebody put up a post yesterday and said, I'm leaving this group. I thought it was a great place. It was, but now I'm just disappointed because of the infighting. Jesus says, I want them to press their nose against the window of the church and say, I want into that group. And maybe if you're here this morning and you're still wondering, you know, is, is Christianity true? Look around you and see this group of people and see how different we are and how different backgrounds we all come from and disparate we are in different ways. And yet see the care and the concern and the love that is here for each other. It is visible. It is noticeable. And the reason for it is that this is true. And Jesus has made us this way. And here is the truth and the proof that Christianity is true. And so, those of us who have put our trust in Christ, let's guard it. Let's Work at it. Let's make it grow and develop even more and always keeping, as it were, a hand out to, to welcome others coming in. Keeping an eye out for someone who's maybe coming along you who's sitting on their own and seeing that they are part of the rich fellowship that Christ is building here. Amen. Let's stand as we come to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the community of your people. And let us never take it for granted. Thank you for what you've been building here in Letterkenny, in our little fellowship here and with, with other fellowships and the, the friendships that we have with other Christians. Uh, and Father, 
we pray that you would help us to foster it in our own fellowship, to fuel it, to cause it to flourish, to be on our guard against any weeds that might spring up in our own hearts or any wedges that might come in between us and others. Lord, help us uh, so that we can be that oasis in a desert where people find that they are forgotten, where they find themselves left to struggle on their own. And they would see that, no, that is not the way that you have wired us to be or set up life to be. You have made us to be together. And you have made us to be cared for. And that you have made us to know you and to know your family. Lord, we pray that you would help us as individuals and as a church to be the people that we ought to be so that you might entrust to us others who are looking for a place to belong and to be loved. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.